0: Are you ready for the Word of God tonight? Awesome. How many of you are here this morning? Most of you are here. Some of you. How many of you weren't here this morning? Okay, so there's a good bunch of you that weren't here this morning also. This morning was a great message. Did you enjoy Pastor Mike's message this morning? Fantastic. So uh, Pastor Mike shared on being an apostolic church. And uh, God's hand is upon our church to be an apostolic church. Actually, it's hands upon every church to be an apostolic church. And it's uh, up to us or up to each church to say, yes, Lord, we'll answer that call and we'll obey you. Or, uh, or Lord, we'll just hang out in the, in the four walls. But what is, what's an apostolic church? We want to be an apostolic church. In, uh, uh, in the book of Acts, the church starts off in Jerusalem. Okay, so everything's going on in Jerusalem. There's, uh, there's, there's lots of good stuff going on in Jerusalem. But Jesus said, I want you to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Okay? But the church said, we're having such a good time just here where we are. And, uh, and we like the Jews best, so we'll hang out with them. And we won't worry so much about Judea, and we certainly won't worry about Samaria and the ends of the earth, well, who really cares? Well, the fact is, God cares. God cares about the rest of the earth. And uh, because they didn't do what God had asked them to do, you know, there was trouble came. You know, how many of you know that uh, we get, uh, God gives us a number of chances. And uh, when He's wanting to do something and we don't obey, He has ways of applying heat to our lives. So suddenly, we pop and say, Obedience looks really good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> how many of you have ever been in a situation where, where uh, you've been holding out from God an area in your life and you thought, No, God, I, I kind of like that too much. And God's applied a bit of heat to your life until you thought, Yeah, that thing's just costing me way too much. I'm going to get rid of that now and obey God because that's a much healthier option. How many of you have ever, ever experienced something like that? Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. So that's exactly what happened to the church in Jerusalem. They didn't do what God said. God gave them a number of chances. And in the end, there was a persecution arose that ended up scattering them all over the place. And then they finally began to do what God asked them to do. And uh, from then on, the action in the book of Acts all centered around a, a church called uh, our, at the Antioch Church. And uh, so Pastor Mike taught this morning on what an apostolic church is. And an apostolic church can't be contained by the four walls of the church. And how many of you know that if we just stick within the four walls of this church building here, come in on Sunday, worship God, maybe spend some time here during the week, and that's all we do, and we don't ever reach our community, how many of you know that that will be falling way short of God's plans? Yeah? Okay. So we can't ever settle for a life like that. We can't ever settle for a church like that. So, uh, so the church has got to go out beyond the four walls. You know, some of the darkest times in this earth's history was a period of time called the Dark Ages. Have you heard of that, the Dark Ages? You know what happened during the Dark Ages? The church retreated to behind the walls of monasteries and didn't reach out they didn't um, let the word of God out. All the, all, the, uh, all the people who declared to be Christians retreated from the rest of the world and uh, hid in, in uh, areas like monasteries and things like that. And that, removing the light of Jesus Christ from the world, plunged this whole earth into some of the darkest time ever in the history of, of the world. It was called the Dark Ages, heinous things happened during that time. And it was all because the church didn't do what it was supposed to do. God had said, go out. And the church said, no way. It's way too scary out there. Let's come in. And uh, we can't ever be like that because we know that the kingdom of God is expanding. God's purpose is to expand the kingdom, that his glory will fill the earth. And we're to be a part of that. So we can't ever settle for a life that's retained within the four walls. So an apostolic church is a church that's not contained by the four walls. It's a church that has a massive impact on the community and the world around it. It's a church that's intent on expanding the kingdom of God. And it's a church that's anointed by the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. It's not a dead religion. Good stuff is happening. How many of you want to be a part of a church like that? Come on, I want to be a part of a church like that. So that's the great thing. That's the sort of church that God's building in this place. Now, if we're to be an apostolic church, we need to be an apostolic people because the church is not a building, it's people, it's you and I. So if God's doing that in the church, what's He doing to you and I? You see, God is wanting us to rise up as apostolic people, not just believers, who say, come up to, on the front, respond to an old call, and say, Jesus, I, I don't want to go to hell, so uh, please save me. All right, That's a good start, All right, but it's far more than that. It's far more than that. It's good to be a believer. Good to give your heart to the Lord. In fact, I'll give you that opportunity tonight, and I hope that uh, you'll respond to it, because it, we need to be saved. That's the truth. But actually, Jesus wants far more than believers. He wants disciples, Christians, anointed ones, not content to be Sunday Christians where we come on Sunday and uh, the rest of the week we live like devils. You know? Do you know anyone who lives like that? You know what? Don't tell me their names, okay? You just tell them. <laughs> Maybe give them an elbow and say, don't, like, don't live like a devil for the rest of the week, okay? Get some Jesus on Sunday get some Jesus tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Live for him Monday through to Sunday and Sunday through to Saturday, right through. Don't live like a devil for the rest of the week. You see, that's the sort of people that God's wanting us to be. Not content just to turn up on Sunday and worship, although that's good, but people who are devoting the rest of their lives to serve him are people who welcome God into every part and every day of their lives. Do you think Jesus cares about your exam results? To right, he does. Do you think Jesus cares about your friends at school? Absolutely. Do you think Jesus cares about your business? Absolutely. What about your family? He cares about every part of our lives. Now, sometimes people focus on, well, I'm Christian, so I just come to church on Sunday, and you know I would be a generally good person all the rest of the week, but... Uh, I don't really see what God's got to do with the rest of my week. We're not to be like that. You see, we're meant to be apostolic people. What's an apostolic pe- person? It's a kingdom expander, a territory taker. A kingdom expander and a territory taker. So I'm going to speak tonight on four qualities of a territory taker. And uh, so when we talk about kingdom, some people, again, automatically, they say, well, the kingdom of God is church. Church. No, the kingdom of God is the church plus. It's the kingdom of God is the church plus every other area of your life. It's your family. It's the areas of education, business, media, arts, government, science, every area of life Jesus Christ is interested in and wants to reform, and he wants to transfer the kingdoms of this world into his kingdom. So he needs people in every part of life, who will say, this area and this territory of life belongs to me. I'm going to become the best school teacher ever, and I'm going to influence influence my school for Jesus Christ. Or I'm going to be the best engineer ever. I'm going to be the best engineer that this town, this region has seen, and I'm going to make my stamp on this for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be the best food technologist that Heinz Watties has seen in this country and possibly anywhere, Rachel Johns, <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, if not, why not? And if it's not us, who will it be? Who will reach this region and even the regions beyond if it's not us who puts up our hand and says, God. I want to bring glory to you in whatever area I can, so I'm going to raise up a great business. I'm going to have the best business possible, and I'm going to bring glory to you that way. I'm going to be the best worker in my field, and they're going to and uh, by that, I'll gain a testimony before kings. I'm going to be the best prison officer. My word, Jeff. you'd be the best prison officer out there, eh? Be the best prison officer. If not, who? Let it be you. Yeah? So wherever we are, we serve God and say, this is a territory that he's placed me, and I'm going to make it Jesus Christ. See, God wants you and I to be kingdom expanders, territory takers. He wants people to get a vision for life, a territory that they can take a hold of, kick out the demonic squatters, kick them out, and transform it with the culture of heaven. Bring the culture of heaven into your workplace, into your school, into your business, into your family, wherever it is. So what sort of person can we look to who will be a kingdom expander, a territory taker? You see, a great example that I think of is, uh, is, is the life of Caleb. Now, how many of you have heard of Caleb? Caleb was an awesome man of faith, but he was a truly apostolic person before apostolic was even around. You know, he was a forerunner, a model of what someone can do if they get a hold of what God wants for their lives and they don't let go. So we're going to look at the life of Caleb and see what we can learn from it. So let me give you a little bit of background about this guy, Caleb. First of all, he came out of Egypt with Moses as a slave. Moses came and delivered all the slaves out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And the plan was that God was going to take them all into the promised lands once They were slaves. Now they were free. And there was a purpose and a plan for their lives that God would bring them into their own lands where they would no longer be driven by slave masters or anything like that. They would be their own people serving God in complete freedom. So Caleb was one of those. So out they go through the Red Sea, the whole nation of Israel, millions of them. And they go into an area called the wilderness. They travel through this wilderness. With signs and wonders, incredible things. And then they stand on the edge of the promised land, the land of Canaan. And God said, I'm going to give you this place that flows with milk and honey. It's a great place to be. Everything you need is there. And he said, I want you to send out 12 spies to have a look. Check it out. So they send out 12 spies. Caleb and Joshua are two of those 12 spies. So they all go out. They have a journey through the promised land. And they, uh, they bring back some of the fruit of their place. It's enormous. You know, incredible place. Amazing. They see all the things that could be theirs. And they think, God has given us this land. Wow. But also in their land, there's a lot of problems. So when they come back and they bring their report back to the people, 10 of them go, yes, it's a great land, but there are so many problems. There are giants. There's all sorts of things. We are too weak. We can't do it. This city is a wall. God, we can't do it. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, Dudes, what are you talking about? It's amazing. It's incredible. We can do it. God is with us. He will enable us to do it. But the ten spies turned the whole nation of Israel against them. And they all began to weep and to cry. All began to grizzle and say, we can't do it. It's too tough. God wants us to die. <laughs> so they're going to go. they want to go back to Egypt. They want to give up. So I want you to turn in your Bible, because right there, God intervenes. So in your Bible, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Let me know when you get there, eh? So we're going to look at what is a territory taker. What does it take? All right. Okay, so Numbers chapter 14, and I'm going to read to you verses six through to nine. And it says, and Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephanah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. That's a pretty extreme thing to do, eh? And, uh, and said to all the congregation, because they were all crying and, and uh, carrying on at this time, saying, God's going to kill us. There's too many giants. What a waste. And, uh, and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk. And honey, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred to us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So that's the attitude of Caleb and Joshua. They say, we can do it. We can do it. Don't be afraid. Problems, problems, they just make us stronger. How about that for looking at a problem? If you've got anything that comes up in your life and say, oh, this is just too tough. I tell you, you start looking at it, this might be a tough problem, but it's making me stronger, and I'm not giving up on it. So problems just make you stronger. They don't break you. If you've got faith in God, they will be bread for you. All right, so here's Joshua and Caleb, and so they're saying this. So what's the reaction of the people? So the people, do they change at all? No, they say, uh, in verse 10, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. You know, how many of you know that sometimes you take a stand for the Lord and uh, people start lifting up stones? Yeah, they're ready to squash you and, uh, and, and nail you for your faith. All right. But the encouraging thing about this is right then when they're about to deal to Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, just when they're about to throw the stones on them, whew, the glory of God comes. Now that sort of stops them in their tracks, you know. They're just about to deal to God's servants, and all of a sudden, God turns up. It's like being at school. And uh, you know, how many of you ever remember when you're just uh, in the process of doing something really that you shouldn't have done, and, uh, and the headmaster turned up at school? Yeah. <laughs> Was anyone else like that? <laughs> I don't, just me. Yeah. Uh, I had a... Uh, uh, tell you a story, can I tell you a quick story, just uh, completely unrelated, but it is, it's related because, uh, I, you know, I was naughty at school, and um, how many of you know those phones that you wound around, and uh, they produce uh, electric shock, and uh, so I, I was about to um, shock the daylights out of one of my mates at school who didn't know about it, and I had him holding onto the wires, and I was just about to give the, give the, uh, give the handler a great big burst, and the headmaster walked in. And uh, (laughs) stopped me in my tracks, I can tell you. And that's what God did in this situation. He stopped them right in their tracks. He says, I've got something to say with you guys. I'm going to sort you out. You see, it goes through and uh, flip over a little bit further in uh, 14 to uh, verses 21 and 24. God says, I'm going to sort you guys out. and He says, as truly as I live, and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and the descendants, his descendants, will possess it. So that's an amazing thing. Everyone's whinging and grizzling and uh, in trouble. God turns up and says, "Guys, it's over for you. I've had enough of you. You won't enter into my promises." But Caleb, he has a different spirit. He has fully followed me, and he will enter into the promised land, and he will take hold of everything that I've said he would. But the rest of you guys are toast. So how many of you now have got a real interest in knowing what made Caleb different? Because you want to take a hold of what God wanted to do in his life, and wanted to do in all of the others' lives. How many of you want to learn from Caleb, eh? Yeah, absolutely, because you know what? In church life, I've seen lots of people come in the doors, and I've seen a fair few go out the doors because they've let go of the promises of God. Times have got tough, and instead of getting tough with them, instead of holding on to the promises of God, they've backslidden out the back door. And that's a tragedy because God's got so much more for them. You see, whatever problem comes up in your life, it's not to crush you, it's to build you, it's not to break you, it's to strengthen you. So let's look at what were the qualities of Caleb that made him a territory taker. First of all, he had a different spirit, a different spirit, a different attitude. It says, but my servant Caleb will enter the promised land because he has a different spirit. If you want to be a territory taker, you need a different spirit. And you say, a different spirit to what? A different spirit to those that were displayed by everyone else, by the majority, by the people who were all around. If you want to be a territory taker, if you want to expand the kingdom of God, You need something different about you, a different spirit, a different attitude. You see, everyone else around Caleb, their spirit was characterized by or characterized by unbelieving. They whinged and they grizzled. They whined. They were unbelieving. They didn't believe that God could do it. They didn't take hold of the promises of God. Do you have hold of the promises of God for your life? Do you take a hold of them and you say, God? will do this, no matter what my circumstances." You see, they were fearful. They didn't want to take any risks, and so they weren't gonna step out. They were afraid, and they complained. If there's one thing that ticks God off, it's complaining. Tell the person next to you, don't complain. (laughs) Complaining ticks God off. But there's something else. Something else that grabs God's attention and says, "That's I like. What does God like? He likes faith. He likes love. He likes thankfulness. And if we're prepared to cultivate these things in our lives, then that we will character we will cultivate the character of a territory taker. So I hate gardening. How many of you hate gardening? Some people love gardening. I hate gardening, but I love Roundup. Okay. (laughs) I love Roundup. It's it's an easy way of weeding. Okay. So uh, we, we need some spiritual. I love Roundup in our garden, toast all the weeds. Awesome. Very good. All right. But we need to take some spiritual Roundup And deal to every unbelieving, stinky, fearful, complaining thing in our lives. And pour some spiritual roundup on that thing. Because otherwise, it will rob us of our destiny with God. So you can do that by building faith in your life. Building love in your life. Why love? Because love casts out fear. Love and fear can't exist in the same space. So if you've got trouble with fear, then get acquainted. Get to know the love of God to show the love of God. Deal with complaining by developing an attitude of thankfulness in uh, Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So whatever you do, whatever you do, do it with all your strength. Do it with a great attitude because God's watching and He will reward you See, I, maybe say, well, you know, I've done some really bad jobs. I've done some really bad jobs. One one season during uh, uh, during my school holidays, uh, at the university holidays, I worked in the freezing works in the in the green uh, in the green casings plant. You heard what the green, Do you know what the green casings plant is? Has anyone ever worked there? Well, it is ugly. Okay, it is the awful plant. Okay, and uh, so we, well, I, spent the summer holidays doing, making sausage skins, okay? You know what sausage skins are made out of? They're made out of the inside of sheep's intestine. And for a sheep's intestine to be used for sausage skins, it has to have what's inside the sheep's intestine taken out. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so, I was given three changes of clothes every day. Three changes of clothes. Morning tea, lunchtime, and afternoon tea. At the end of the day, I had a shower. I scrubbed myself from head to foot. Still, my parents would not let me in the house. I could not come to the dinner table until I'd have another shower and washed myself completely, covered myself in deodorant, and uh, it was disgusting. (laughs) Absolutely disgusting. The people at big, big freezing works, okay? The other people in the freezing works would not have smoko with us because we smelt so bad. (laughs) We had a special smoko area for ourselves. (laughs) And it was that time that I got saved, (laughs) Hey. So I started there, working there, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and I thought, Lord, this is the most disgusting, repulsive place in the whole earth, and uh, if, hell, if, uh, you know, if hell is anything like this, I don't want to go there, <laughs> and, uh, but God began to work on me, and my grizzling, and my complaining, and I actually, I made some really good friends in that place, really good friends. And in the midst of a really ugly situation, really disgusting job, now I was able to touch the lives of the people around me. They wanted to know because I had been there for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden I got saved and Dougie radically changed. And, uh, and they wanted to know why. So although I had, uh, uh, you know, the rest of my holidays, I had to serve in this disgusting place, God gave me a preaching ground as a new Christian to share with these people who had no hope nothing else. You see, the people around you, they need Jesus Christ. The people around you, they don't have any hope. That's it for them for life. And unless you share with them, even in the boring, mundane stuff that's going on in the world, unless you share with them, how will they ever know about Jesus Christ? Unless you're willing to take some territory, make that disgusting place and bring the culture of heaven in it. And I'm sure Your place of work isn't as disgusting as a green casings plant. If you do work in a green casings plant, come with me. I'll pray with you afterwards, okay? (laughs) All right. So if you want to be a territory taker, you need to have a different spirit, a different attitude. You see, attitudes are expressed in our faces, our smile and our laughter. They're expressed in our words, positive, thoughtful of God and others, in our actions, enthusiastic and helpful. Attitude will determine your altitude. If you want to go places in life, deal with your attitude. Okay, the second thing, second quality of a territory taker is having a fully surrendered life. It says, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, then he will enter the promises of God. See, Caleb's life was totally surrendered to God. He wasn't holding anything back. He had given himself over completely to Jesus. There wasn't any sneaky dark corner into his heart that he was saying, Jesus, you can have every other part of my life, but you can't have this. Okay, He was giving his whole life to Jesus. You see, God was so impressed with this quality of Caleb's life. He repeated it seven times. He said, Caleb has fully followed me seven times. Seven times God boasted about this quality. If you want God to boast of your life, then decide, fully follow Him. Don't hold anything back from Him. You see, the Christian life is about surrendering yourself to God. Not a little prayer to Jesus, but Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the boss of my whole life. I want to ask you tonight, are you holding anything back from Jesus? Is there anything that you're holding back and you're saying, Jesus, I'll give you all of my life but this. Jesus, I don't want to go here with you. Maybe there's an area of sin that you just find too exciting to let go. Or maybe there's an area in your life that you find too shameful. And you say, God, I, I don't want you in there. In fact, I, I so don't want you in there. I'll pretend that it doesn't even exist. And you hold that. You see, Caleb wasn't like that. Caleb gave all of his life, every part of his life to God. And if we want to be territory takers, we've got to have nothing held back from the Lord. That's our relationships. That's our money. That's our habits. That's our thought life. That's our sexuality. That's our affections. Everything surrendering to the Lord. Our experiences. They say, God, I'm holding nothing back from you. Would you hold back anything from the Lord? Please tell me no. I'm holding nothing back. How many of you say, I'm letting go of everything and fully following the Lord? Put your hand up if that's you tonight. Hallelujah. All right. If that's you, not you tonight, time to put it right. Okay. I remember, I remember distinctly, and there's many, many areas of your life where you say, you know, God, God begins to put his hand on them and say, no, I want you to deal with this. The first, first one was, uh, well, one of the first areas was my money. I had a strong, stingy spirit um, pass, passed, on, passed on to me from my, uh, from, my, uh, uh, from my generational line that grew up through to the Depression. And, uh, I, and they were always worried that there would never be enough. Always worried. And uh, so that, that affected me. And when I came into the kingdom and uh, God said, I want you to start giving, I said, no way. <laughs> I worked for that. Some of it in a green casings plant. <laughs> it's my money. And uh, don't talk about money, God, because that makes me uncomfortable. And, uh, and God began to work on me. And uh, he said, well, Doug, you can have it your way or you can have it my way. What's it going to be? And uh, over time, God loosened my grip on my wallet and I was able to give and then to tithe and then to give and above my tithe. And actually, I discovered something incredible. Freedom comes with it. Incredible. You know? God broke the strong, stingy spirit off my life, and He can break it off your life, too. Amen. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good thing? <laughs> you see, there was another person. there was another person who held back and I looked on this someone else who loved God but he held back part of his life. It was King Solomon and it uh, talks about King Solomon in 1st Kings 11 and King Solomon did some incredible things. King Solomon built the most amazing temple ever. Phenomenal temple. People came from all over the earth to see what uh, what God had done. God turned up his very presence turned up in the temple that Solomon made. But Solomon didn't follow the Lord fully. It says that Solomon had another love. It says in 1 Kings 11, and that's worthwhile reading. It says that King Solomon loved many. Say many. 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 He loved many foreign women. All right. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moab, uh, Moabite, um, Ammonite, uh, goes all this list of foreign women, from nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not marry them or get into some sort of relationship with them. Neither shall they be with you, for surely they will turn your heart away after other gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. Oh, everyone say, uh oh. Yeah, very sad, very sad. And First Kings eleven and six say Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow. The Lord as David, his father, had done. You see, Solomon liked bad girls. <laughs> so some of you here tonight like bad girls or bad boys, all right? So, And you say, well, God, you know what's the problem with that? You know, we've got to love the sinner. Yeah, but not love them that much, okay? <laughs> he wasn't me. And that cost him. His reputation with God. It cost him his life with God. It was something that he didn't want to give up. Let me ask you tonight, is there an area of your life that you say, God, I kind of like that, and I don't want to give it up. In fact, God, then talk to me about that area. I don't want to know about it. Are you like that? Or are you like Caleb, 100% fully sold out for God? See, the Bible says that God looks to and fro across the earth to show himself strong for those who will be fully loyal to him. It's in First Chronicles chapter 16 and 9. See, God will show himself strong to you. He will strengthen you if you say, God, I'm fully sold out for you, nothing holding back, nothing holding back. I'm going to choose to do it your way, regardless of what anyone else around me is doing, regardless of how much I love this area in my life. You see, sin can look really attractive and can have an addictive power about it, but ultimately, it kills you. That's the truth of it. There is a pleasure in sin, but it passes, and then comes the pain, and it goes over and over and over, and long after you've forgotten about the pleasure, you'll feel the pain. Let go of it and say, God, I'm fully surrendered to you. I'm holding nothing back. Is that you tonight? Yeah. Amen. All right. Okay, here's another quality. Quality. of Yeah, give the Lord a shout eh? and give him a clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, here's another quality. Here's another quality of a territory taker. Perseverance. So we're going to flip over right over to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 10 to 11. You can find that too or write it down and find it later. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about the quality of perseverance because that is a huge quality of a territory taker. How many of you enjoyed uh, Shelley Griever last week? Yeah. Wasn't she awesome? Yeah, she was cool. A really, really neat young woman, completely sold out for God, doing great stuff for God. And her life message was perseverance. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's in Joshua chapter 14 verse 10. It says, Now behold, the Lord, this is Caleb speaking to Joshua. He says, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he has said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, this day I am 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as I was in that day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. You see, Caleb had lived 45 years in the wilderness because of the decisions of the majority. They had cost him 45 years of his life because of the bad decisions of others. Now you would think that he would be feeling bitter about that. You would think that he would be feeling like, these stinking dogs have caused me all this trouble. I've lost 45 years of the best part of my life because of them. You could imagine, I could imagine him feeling just a little bit ticked about that. Just a little bit upset that he got to walk around in the desert 40 years because of the decisions of others, but not him. He says, you know, that time's gone. He said, but now is my time to get my inheritance. You see, Caleb had a spirit of perseverance. Caleb means, actually his name means dog. And uh, one of the things about dogs is that they persevere. They don't give up. I had a dog when I was on the farm. Actually, it was my sister's dog. And um, this was years ago, years and years and years ago. And uh, this dog was called Hooch. He was named Hooch because he was taken off, uh, taken off hippies by the SBCA because they were too busy growing their hooch to look after their dog. So, so the dog became my sister's dog and then became our family dog. And this dog would not give up. It wasn't much to look at. It was a funny little thing with short legs, a long body, uh, and a sort of, uh, and and just it was completely mongrelized. You know, it, it was it was ugly, flat out, flat out ugly. Okay, but this dog had the character of perseverance and it loved possums, and uh, uh, you know it would go looking for possums at night. It would just wander around and uh, close. We had lots of fruit trees around the, the farmhouse, and. Uh, uh, after everyone was asleep, me included, around about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, every night, it would find a possum up a tree, and it would bark, 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 and it would, bark, and it would keep on barking until the whole house was awake. I'm thinking, okay, so you go out there, shoot the possum, possum falls down, dog eats the possum, okay? I <laughs> love to eat possums. And every night it would go possum hunting. I tried to tie this thing up so it couldn't go possum hunting. And it would howl. <laughs> so I could count on it. And I like my sleep. You know, I hate being disturbed. But this thing, you know, it, it's so consistently, it would tree a possum. And you'd have to go out and shoot it. And it got to the point where I would go out there because I would be the easily, most easily disturbed in the sleep. And the others would think, Doug's going to pop first. So uh, we'll just stay here in our warm toesies and uh, uh, we'll we'll wait for Doug to pop. And sure enough, Doug would pop. (laughs) Okay, out I go. And after a while, I got to looking at the dog and thinking, do I shoot you or the possum? Okay, I shoot you and my problems are over. (laughs) But this dog had perseverance, it wouldn't give up. And we need to develop that sort of quality in our lives. I didn't shoot the dog, by, by the way. The dog, the dog lived a very, a very, very long and happy life because uh, my mother would have shot me if I'd shot it. So uh, anyway, so this dog had perseverance. We need to develop that sort of character. How is it that a short, four-legged creature can have more perseverance than us? No way. You see, what does it take to put you off the scent of God's promises? Is it two days before God answers, and you've given given up, gone toes up? Is it two years? Is it 45 years? How many of you waited 45 years for a promise to be fulfilled, walking in a desert? Probably not many of us. Maybe there are some. If you are, then thank God you're an incredible person. But Caleb was like that 45 years. 45 years. We need to develop the attitude and the characteristic of perseverance. See, uh, last week, uh, Shelley said that was a sign, the first sign of apostolic grace on your life. If we're to have apostolic grace in our life, the ability to take territory for God and make it His, then we need to develop perseverance. So tell the person next to you, keep on and don't give up. All right, last quality. All right. You've got to know where your promised land is. Can I have the band, please? You've got to know where your promised land is. In Joshua 14, just carrying on those verses, in 12, Caleb says, So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you have heard on that day how, this, how the giants were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just As the Lord had said, this man, 85 years old, and he says, give me the hill country. You see, he could have said, give me any of the land that's already been uh, had all the enemies cast out. Give me the land that's already been conquered. But this man at 85 years old, 85 years old, he said, I want that hill country full of giants. I want it. Because God promised it to me 45 years ago, and I'm gonna take it. And it might be, it might just be that God will help me drive those stinking things out and conquer it for Him. See, God has got territory for each one of you to conquer. Each one of you, it might be in your school, it might be in your workplace, it might be in your family, and God's saying, I want you to take a hold of that. You put a dream in your heart. We've talked a lot about dreams. I want you to tell you tonight that God is wanting you to take a hold of that territory and make it His. He's wanting you to bring the culture of heaven into that place. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? That's for you. And if we're to be an apostolic church, We can't just be about what's going on within the four walls of this building. We've got to be a people who's sent out into every part of the community. Every part. Every part. That makes your work meaningful. That means your marriage meaningful. That makes your school and your study meaningful. It's not a waste of time. You're taking territory for God. It's only a waste of time if you're filling in time and and, uh, and use it to uh, uh, to pay your bills. You know, that's the lowest level of life, existence. But God wants you to be a territory taker. And every one of you, He's got a territory for you to conquer. Tony, He's got a territory for you to conquer. You're going to minister the life of God to people, set people free by the ministry of the Spirit of God. You'll learn some great things where you are. But God's going to teach you even more things, how to set people free, truly free. Every area of life, where are you right now? And what's the territory? You see, Caleb wasn't waiting for someone to say or to sign an area for him. he had seen it himself. And then he said, I want to go for it. And Joshua said, you go and do it. You know what? God blessed him in it. Don't wait for someone else to tell you. Someone else can help you. They can help identify your gifts. They can help identify your strengths. But don't put your destiny in the hands of someone else just waiting around. What has God put within you? And then go and take a hold of it for Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying tonight? All right. Let's pray tonight. On every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you right now for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord God, that you're calling us to be an apostolic people, people who would take territory for you, people who would expand your kingdom on this earth, not people who would hide within the four walls of this church, but people who would take the life that they've found here and let it touch every area of society Let it touch every area in this region to bring glory to you. So, Father, we ask, Lord God, for your presence to fall on us right now. Just lift up your hands where you are. Right now, say, Lord Jesus, tonight we come to you. We surrender ourselves to you. To be territory takers. To expand your kingdom on this earth. God, we don't want to hold anything back from you. Nothing back from you, Lord. We give it all to you. We develop that different kind of spirit, Lord. To persevere. And to see that land which you've given us. Jesus, I want to be a territory taker. Do you want to be a territory taker tonight? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to change the vibe in this place right now to a vibe of faith. A spirit of faith on this place. Because actually, God's hand is upon us to bless us. God's hand is upon us that we would expand and see the kingdom of God expand throughout this region and even touch regions around the earth. Already we're doing that. But we're coming into a season where that will be even greater. And I want to be a part of that. How many of you want to be a part of that? Come on then, lift up a clap and a shout to the Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you. You're awesome in this place. You're awesome in this place. Tonight,